Welcome to the Turn on the Jets post-game report. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Joined, as always, by the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Daryl Slater, who is still in Nashville, about to get breakfast before his flight back to New Jersey. Daryl, a rough one in Tennessee yesterday. The Jets blowing a big lead and losing 26-22 with under a minute to go. Yeah, that was about as bad as it gets right there. Um, you know, it was... Um that's the type of game that bad teams lose, and obviously the Jets are a bad team. They're an undisciplined team, and discipline has been an issue for, uh, you know, a couple of years now under Todd Bowles, and you saw it rear its ugly head again with those penalties on the last drive. And uh, what else can you say at this point? I mean, we obviously know Bowles is gone. We knew that before this game, so it's not like it, it, it changed anything in that regard. But, uh, but yeah, this was, this was a killer of a loss, and this is the type that you look at it and you think, you know, this, this team could lose out at this rate. Uh, especially if they don't win in Buffalo next week, you know you could be looking at you know ten straight losses to end the year and a three and thirteen record, which I think a lot of fans would be totally fine with at this point. I think there's a uh, nihilistic approach kind of setting in among the fan base, which is understandable. And the Jets moving up from fourth to third in the draft order yesterday, so that was a little bit of a silver lining for people. But I think as I kind of put out there last week, and you know in that thing where I said should you root for the Jets to lose out and tank or whatever. You know, like, you're fourth or third in the draft. I mean, there's just as good of a chance of getting a good or bad player at either spot. You know, I mean, it just, it depends on how well you scout. And that's another story. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's where things are at with this team right now. So let's real quickly give it an overview. What went right early to give the Jets the big lead? And then what went so wrong down the stretch for them to actually blow this thing? Well, yeah, they finally got a takeaway. They got the pick six, Tremaine Johnson. Um, best moment of a below-average season for him. Um, but, yeah, they got the pick six early on. They were able to establish the running game finally. They actually ran the ball really well on the hole yesterday. But later in the game, uh, you know, their offense in the fourth quarter did nothing. They had four fourth-quarter drives, I think, before um, before the last drive where they threw the pick at the end and, uh, you know, three three three-and-outs and a four-and-out. And uh, they could not move the ball in the fourth quarter to sustain any drives and and keep things going and keep the keep the Titans off the field and defensively just just far too many big plays allowed. I mean, well, really the two big long passes which were just killers um, and uh, too many penalties. I mean, overall the Jets have actually been better penalty wise, um, you know, than they had been than they were last year. They, but now, uh, you know, eleven penalties, ninety-six yards, season highs in both the categories. Even after that, I think they're they're still like in the bottom part of the league in terms of penalties. With that being with that being good, you know, in terms of the low numbers and penalties in the yards. But but yeah, you know, like I said, discipline's been an issue under Todd Bowles, so it'll be interesting to see if his replacement can do a better job of of getting you know more discipline, and especially in big spots and crunch time out of this team. Todd Bowles may be replaced at the end of the season. In fact, I'd say it's almost a certainty. But for now, he is the guy calling the shots. And one shot that he's going to call is whether or not Sam Darnold is going to play next week. Any news on that? Yeah, it sounds like he will. Um, Todd Bowles said after the game here in Nashville that um, Sam Darnold was, you know, could have played. He was physically um, capable of playing. Uh, the reason they didn't play him, and I think this is a, this is smart, is uh, he didn't get enough reps in practice, and he was limited throughout the week in practice. They had to figure they had to probably commit to a guy at some point since they didn't know if he was going to be healthy enough. They had to give Josh McCown enough reps just in case, and so Donald didn't get enough reps 
to make Todd Bowles comfortable that he could go out there and um, not only execute but but keep himself in out of harm's way. You know, because if you mess up a protection that's in the game plan and you get lit up by like Jarrell Casey or something like that, I mean you're you're looking at a potential another injury for this kid. And I think they did the right thing in protecting him. Um, but it sounds like it would be a surprise if he does not return in Buffalo next week. So look for him to look for him to be back in, in Buffalo and try to make the most of these final four games after missing uh, three games here with a strained foot. Darrell, let's talk locker room quotes. There were a bunch of them yesterday, and some of them were much more telling and interesting than you normally get, including from Quincy Inunua. Yeah, he was asked about uh, Jeremy Bates, who obviously has been terrible as the Jets' offensive coordinator, and everybody knows that. And you're obviously a goner. It's not like a situation here where there's any debate about what the Jets are going to do, and it's not like a situation here where they're going to keep the coach and fire the coordinator. I mean, everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. So, uh, but after the game, um, you know, Quincy Inunua was basically asked about Bates, and he he said basically, in short, um, you know, he he didn't want to comment because he. He still has a job, and he likes having a job type thing. So, obviously not a ringing endorsement there uh, when you're making that kind of like uh, non – there's not really a – yeah, it's it's like the most loaded no comment ever. <laughs> so, you could tell what he really wanted to say. And what you, it's not hard to read between the lines there of what he meant. So, yeah, I mean, players are frustrated. Um, Jamal Adams talked about the team needing to do a better job of, of, of taking ownership and, and having better discipline. And obviously, that was an issue down the stretch, and uh, the, the players kept harping on it. And after the game, um, typically, you know, it, when it, when all the players kind of say the same thing after the game, that generally means like it was something the coach said in the post game speech, or something one of the guys said, one of the players said, talking to the team. So it sounds like I would guess one of the players kind of relayed this in, in to to the team in a speech along the lines of what these guys kept saying after the game, and it was uh, in, in interviews. I should say they kept saying that. You know, they don't blame the coaches, blah, blah, blah. It's on the players, all that stuff. But the bottom line remains, um, you know, these guys can own it as much as they want to own it, and they should own it to a degree. Um, but the bottom line remains, you know, when you're having discipline issues in the 13th game of the season or the 13th week of the season and the 12th game like this, that's on the coaching staff. And uh, that's one of the many things that is going to cost Todd, Todd Bowles his job. It's not like you really need to build a case against him at this point. I think that's pretty well set already but um but yeah this is this is yet another thing that will cost him a job along with a litany of other uh shortcomings that he's had over the past couple of years this is why i don't understand why they didn't get rid of todd Bowles already and why they don't do it now even the packers did it with mike mccarthy yesterday at this point what are you trying to prove we all know he's gone and what exactly are you gaining by keeping him here just drop the axe now and let's get on with this i don't understand what they're doing here in retrospect, it's, it, you know, it doesn't look like a great decision to keep him. I mean, yesterday, they did, you know, the issue was, will these guys play hard for him after that Bills game? And that was the game where you looked at and said there was, you know, the effort wasn't there. I don't think that was necessarily the case yesterday. I think they played hard and they played well at times, but, um, you know, they just didn't play smart football. And, you know, that, that does reflect on the coach and it reflects on the GM not getting good enough players. I mean, I think we all over this over and over and over again. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think at this point they're going to do it. I think they're going to play up the strength because they've kind of committed to that and said they're going to do it that way, wait till after the season. But everybody knows it's going to happen. And in retrospect, um, could something more, could something have been gained from firing him, uh, after the Bills game? I think possibly. Um, but 
um, you look at this team and it's clear that the players just are not good enough um, and not disciplined enough. Um, and that's on the front office because Todd Bowles doesn't take the players. So I think the, the front office needs to own some of this too. Um, and I think any reasonable fan would, 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 would agree that um, it's not all on Todd Bowles, even though enough of it is to warrant him being fired. Yeah, no question. At this point, if you're a Jets fan, I have no idea how you could look at this situation and not think that both Bowles and McCagnan should go. It's just been a disaster as far as the coaching and the front office has gone. And that's why, as we were talking about before we came on the air, Daryl, if you're somebody like Quincy Inunua, who there was a report by Manish Mehta is negotiating with the Jets for a contract extension, why do that? Why not just test free agency? The list of free agent wide receivers is not very good. You could have the possibility of getting more money somewhere else or landing in a better situation. If Mike McCagnan stays, there's no guarantees that he's going to improve upon his drafts and his free agent signings. And you wouldn't know who the coach is going to be if you sign now also. So it's possible that the Jets hire somebody that you don't even like. So if you're Quincy and Noon, well, why not just ride this out and then test free agency, right? Yeah, I think... There's no harm in him talking with the Jets right now about a contract, I think, because obviously they're the only team he can negotiate with right right now. So there's no no issue there. He, as you can kind of gauge his value, that's the only way he can really do it is by talking to the Jets. Um, but I think he would be silly to commit to anything in January or February. I mean, he should go out and test free agency, go explore all avenues, whether that's talking to the Jets right now, which is what he's doing, and um, you know, seeing where they think he stands, or um, you know, I think more importantly, in, in exploring all avenues, go out and hit free agency. And you can always come back and return to the Jets. You can play one offer against the other. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's guys who have a small earning window, and no one's going to begrudge them for, or no one should begrudge them for going out and getting getting their value. And and, and even if they're overpaid, because most guys are overpaid in free agency, relatively speaking, but they're so underpaid on their rookie contracts anyway, it all kind of evens out um, in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, no one, no one would begrudge him for going out and testing for agency. I think he should. I don't know if he will, but go out and maximize your value in terms of the money and in terms of uh, landing in a good situation. And, it, and obviously the Jets right now are not a good situation. Could they be next year? You know, sure. I think he's seen what rookie quarterbacks can do in year two, when I guess they're not rookie quarterbacks anymore. But uh, in terms of taking that next step, whether it's Carson Wentz, you get it off, you get the right coach in there. Um, to work with these guys and put enough pieces around him, and that's the big one there. I mean, you can bring in a really good coach who can help these guys, or, you know, Darnold in this case, but uh, will the Jets be able to put enough pieces around him on offense and defense to to become more of a complete team? Because, look, I mean, the Rams are really good, not just because Sean McVay came in and helped Jared Goff. They all have really freaking good players. They have Aaron Donald. They have Todd Gurley. Like that's, Those are also enormous reasons why they're so good. Um and Sean McVay had nothing to do with acquiring those players. That was the Rams front office, obviously. So um, that's a that's a that's a hurdle that that is in front of the Jets right now. You can go out and and completely fix your team in free agency. We've seen it. Good, really good players typically do not uh, hit free agency. Uh, Lady Undell will be the exception this year. I mean, Truman Johnson has kind of looked like fool's gold so far. So. Um, to, to the notion that you can patch up your team in free agency, we've seen it time and again that that's not really the best way to do things. And to, to have a quick fix, even though you have $100 million in cap space, uh, I just don't think it's realistic based on history. But then again, you never know, and we'll see what happens next year. 
You usually don't build your team through a quick fix in free agency. You usually have to do it through the draft. And crazy enough, and this will tell you where the Jets are at and where they've been really over the last bunch of years, this looks like it's going to be the fourth season out of the last five where the Jets are going to have a top six pick. The last bit of news to get to here, Daryl, involves that pick as the Jets moved up slightly in the draft order from number four to number three. Yeah, the Cardinals won in Green Bay, so the Jets move up from from four to three, and um, yeah, this this could change um, between you know now and the end of the season. The Jets get a win, and teams below them lose, and um, and then there's things to consider like strength of schedule to break to break ties, which a team can't even really control that. It's based on who you know who you play and playing out the rest, which is why I think the strength of schedule thing should almost include your future opponents. It, it doesn't. It's only the teams you've played to this point. So the Jets are going to be playing teams coming up, including a bad team in the Bills and a really good team in the Patriots and the Texans and then a kind of a below-average team in, in the Packers. So that's going to impact their strength of schedule in terms of that draft place tiebreaker if that comes into it. Um, but it's not currently incorporated into their strength of schedule, if that makes sense. You know, So those games are inevitable. They're going to happen. They're going to be factored in. Um, so while we're projecting one part of the thing, which is where a team is going to pick, um, we're not really, I guess, projecting it because we're looking at where it is right now. So it's not a true projection. Um, but anyway, that's where, without getting too deep in the weeds there, that's where the Jets are uh, right now, number three. And um, the chance it could change, but like you said, it's going to be a high draft pick regardless. Daryl, last bit of business. You were in Nashville this weekend, so let's talk about that a little bit beyond the Jets game. What did you and the rest of the beat reporters do? I hope there was some good food involved. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, ate barbecue twice. <laughs> Went to a place called Peg Leg that was really good, and then another place called Martin's, which are two of the higher-rated places. So ate a bunch of ribs and brisket and pulled pork. Um so just a productive eating weekend. It finally tried some Nashville hot chicken from Bolton's, which is it was really good and insanely hot. Like they, they. I'm glad I read the Yelp reviews before I, I went in there. I was standing in there, and the levels are you know, probably six levels, and um, the top three being medium hot and extra spicy. And I was like, oh, you know, hot would probably be fine. Like I'm, I don't mind spicy food. And all the Yelp reviews said like, do not get anything more than medium. I was like, okay, I'll get. I'll get medium. It was so hot. It was incredibly hot. I mean, it didn't help that it was the first thing I ate in the morning, you know, before the game yesterday. It's not like I had a, a nice base in my stomach. I just crammed down a bunch of spicy fried chicken. But it was so hot and really, really good. Once you got used to it, it really wasn't. And I think it was just exacerbated by the fact that uh, I hadn't eaten anything, and that was, like, basically my breakfast. So uh, not exactly a, a healthy eating habit. <laughs> But yeah, Bolton's was really good. I know a lot. Uh, some of the other guys went to Hattie B's, which is a, a fried chicken place as well. So that's what you know. Nashville is known for the the barbecue, the, the fried chicken, and of course, good music. We got a chance to go out and, and just wander around, see some see some music downtown, and um, there's quite a scene. I mean, a lot of Jets fans out here. Uh, I guess a lot of folks who would probably obviously book their lights and stuff like that long ago um, knowing that Nashville is a fun place to come to and the Jets don't come here every year so there were there were quite a few Jets fans out and about um, I didn't see as many Saturday but I wasn't you know, looking really but last night after the game a lot of folks you know making their way out in the town even though even though it was obviously a tough loss and like people are going to sit in their hotel room and stew but um, yeah so it was, it was good to see a good crowd of people on a Sunday night uh, out, uh, you know, it was a pretty pretty bustling night out uh, last last night after the game. Got a chance to go off a little bit before coming back to the room and doing some work. 
But yeah, that's uh, it was a good trip. So one more, well, I guess two more trips, right, left. So Buffalo next weekend, and then um, and then the Jets go and finish the season with kind of a half trip because uh, we got to rush back right after the game and uh, uh, the finale up in New England. So and then then baggy day Monday on New Year's Eve day when Todd Bowles will be fired, and then the coaching search begins. It's going to be a happy day for some Jets fans. Unfortunately for Todd Bowles, it's probably not going to be his finest moment. But you're going to have a couple of those road trips to go, including two very cold climates, two places that are not quite as fun as Nashville. So I understand why so many people, like you said, decided to make the trip, despite the fact that the Jets weren't good, whether they booked it in advance or whether they just saw it as an excuse to go to Nashville. I originally was going to go, but then when the team was so bad, I just couldn't justify the expense. I'll have to make the trip out some other time, though, because my buddy Luke was waiting for me, and he was disappointed that I wasn't coming out. We were going to have some fun this weekend, but I guarantee you that I would not have had a lot of fun last night with him rubbing it in on me, with the Jets blowing that lead. Hopefully, they do a little bit better in the next game against the Buffalo Bills, and hopefully we get to see Sam Darnold play against his buddy Josh Allen, the first ever meeting between the two. Who knows if things go well for both franchises, it could be something we look back on years from now as an important turning point for both franchises. But for now, Daryl, there's going to be a lot of content leading up to that game. So why don't you tell me what you and Matt Stiblikowski have coming down the pike over at NJ.com? Yeah, just a lot of the stuff coming out of the game, including you know why the Jets' offense is such a mess right now. And Quincy and then quote not really a non-endorsement of Jeremy Bates, um, and uh, just kind of wrapping up uh, where the Jets stand in terms of their you know little report card coming out of that game, who was to blame for the loss, that sort of thing, and then looking forward to the draft. Um, we'll have a thing every Monday as we've been having the past couple weeks of where. Uh, you know, how their son, how Sunday's results, and obviously there's still always a Monday game to play every week, but how Sunday's results either helped or hurt the Jets in terms of draft position and, and who else is in the mix. So we know the Jets are third, but you know, who are some of the other teams that are kind of nipping at their heels? And that's all up there right now. So appreciate everybody, appreciate everybody reading and appreciate you having me on as always. Thanks, Daryl. Go get yourself some breakfast. Probably don't want to get the fried chicken again because I have a feeling that might impact you negatively before you hop on your flight. Have a safe flight back. We will talk again on Friday. In the meantime, check out everything that Daryl and Matt Stipulkowski are doing over at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.